It is Palm Sunday today. Most of us are familiar with that concept, and if you weren't before, you certainly ought to be now as you've heard the story read. And remember that it is the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem that we celebrate kind of as the beginning of Holy Week. It is one of those accounts that is recorded for us in all the Gospels, and that doesn't happen with every topic. But in that context, we hear uh, various perspectives on what the day was about. There was certainly a crowd there that day. Jesus rides down toward the grade of the city and crowds are growing and there's a festive air all about this day. It's the Passover and pilgrims have come from far and wide to be a part of this. They didn't know Jesus was going to show up. They knew it was the Passover, that great holy day of Jewish holidays. So they come from many countries and many places to celebrate. Even before Jesus arrives, the news is spread that that it is this Jesus who has raised Lazarus from the dead. Can you imagine some of the excitement? Have you heard the news? Lazarus was dead. He was buried in a tomb so long they thought he was going to stink. But then this Jesus came and in good King James language said, come forth. You know, the first group didn't laugh at that either. That was supposed to be kind of funny. And Lazarus came forth. He stripped away the Grave clothing, and he actually walked out, living and breathing again. (laughs) Only the Messiah could do that, they'd say. The news travels from one to another. Finally, Jesus is ready to enter the city. Great clouds, crowds have collected. They're lining the roads. They're doing their thing. They're waving their branches. They're throwing their jackets down in front of him. They're, They're proclaiming, Hosanna to the King. They're saying, salvation has come. It was an exciting place. And yet my guess is that most of them just didn't really know what was going on. But everybody likes parties. A few years ago, I was at the airport. <coughs> LAX, which is kind of a zoo in all of itself. Going through the airport and Suddenly, a bunch of people started to, to go walk rather quickly towards one door, and, and, and they all were rushing out. I, I don't think they had any, any clue what was going on, and I didn't either, but I went because, you know, everybody else is going, so you might as well go check out and see what's there. And lo and behold, it was the Kardashians. <clears throat> everybody was excited. You know, they don't look that good in person. <clears throat> They'd been traveling, they'd come, just come from Europe. They'd actually come on the plane, same plane that my daughter Elena came on when she was flying back from France. They were on the same plane. They were not happy campers. <clears throat> they didn't look good. They, you know, their hair was all messed up and they just had weird clothes on and everybody was excited. And so we ran down. I took pictures. I had pictures on my iPhone. You know. But we're all excited. It's a party. It's a crowd. We go. And on that day, 
there were people like that. Just excited to see what was going on. What's all this extra excitement about? No clue. It's interesting. Of course, there were other people in that crowd. There were people that he had touched. I'm sure when Jesus uh, looked out over those crowds, I'm sure he must have seen uh, quite a few people that he recognized. Perhaps there was the blind man who had received his sight. No longer dressed up in beggar's clothes. Found a job. How about Zacchaeus? You know him. He's the tax collector. He'd paid back his debt to society and he'd made things right with God. He was probably there and going, yes, Jesus. Maybe the lepers were there. Their skin had been cleansed and repaired and they'd entered back into society again. They were there saying, that's the man that touched me when nobody else did. Maybe Jairus' daughter was there. That one that he had brought back from Certainly, Mary and Martha were there with Lazarus. I mean, it just happened a few days earlier. and I'm sure he was just, I'm not leaving Jesus. I'm going to be there. Mary Magdalene, perhaps even. Uh, people whose lives had been touched by the love, grace, and mercy, healing of God, they were there. Because, you see, this was their Jesus. This was the guy who had changed them. This was the guy who had shaped and molded the way they were thinking and, and told them things that they'd never thought they'd understand. And suddenly, life was different. They were in that crowd. But there were others. Those who had or would oppose him. They were there with their sinister faces and I don't know why we say this, but squinty little eyes. Just watching and waiting for Jesus to just say one word out of step. Do one thing out of line with the law. Sadducees and the Pharisees, those were the kind of ruling groups of the day, religious leaders of the day. They were there to watch and make sure that nothing happened out of line. This Jesus... Scripture tells us that after he had raised Lazarus from the dead, Jesus had grown in such popularity that, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees just were so jealous that they were looking for any way that they might be able to kill him. They were there watching. Of course, the Romans were there. The Romans were always fearing revolt and revolution and looking for any sign of rebellion against Rome. And here is this Jesus coming into town. And all the people are saying, Hosanna to the king, to the coming king. He's here. <laughs> I can guess that they were watching. They wanted to crush any kind of uprising that might have come. And this had all the markings of uprising on it. I'm sure that his inner circle was there. His disciples and apostles, those who walk so closely with him. You know, it tells us in, in, the, in, in John that, that the disciples didn't understand all that took place. They didn't understand the business about the donkey. They didn't understand the business about the fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy. 
They didn't understand any of that stuff that was going on until after the fact. And here they are on the very day, not really understanding, but I'm sure they had some thoughts about the day. Imagine Judas, the one who betrayed him. Judas was probably at the high point of his life at that moment. You see, Jesus, Judas wanted nothing more than to see an earthly kingdom established. And, and he was willing to do anything to make that happen. And here it was, Jesus finally entering into the city, all the people proclaiming that the king has come. He was a happy camper. Perhaps Peter was there. Peter liked the crowd. He liked being up front. He's probably standing there as proud as can be. This is my guy. <laughs> yep, it's Jesus and me. Thomas. No, Thomas, he was kind of the skeptical one. Probably got an eye on all things that are happening, wondering what's going to take place. Maybe Andrew was there, I'm sure. You know, Andrew's the guy who, who really didn't like crowds. You know, some people like crowds. That's Peter. Some people don't like crowds. A A Andrew's one of those guys, he's always bringing people to Jesus, but he's always bringing them to him just kind of one at a time. One or two at a time to Jesus. And, and here, Andrew, Andrew's kind of watching and he's saying, oh my goodness, dude, we've got thousands of people here. What's going on? Of course, James and John were there. Sons of thunder, they're called. They're excited about the day. They've already come to Jesus. In fact, they had their mother, his mother, their mother come to Jesus. You know what they wanted? Oh, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, let one sit on your right and one sit on your left. I, I'm sure this was a big day for them. Finally, he's coming. We're going to get our spots. And then there's Jesus. Jesus, as we might expect, brings a unique perspective. And it started right from the beginning of the event. It's when he told his disciples to go and get him a colt of a donkey. I'm sure the disciples must have wondered, what in the world is he asking us for? Because you see, Jesus had walked hundreds of miles up and down the countryside. And the scriptures don't record for us any place in all of scripture where Jesus ever did anything other than walk except for when he rode in a boat across the Sea of Galilee. He walked everywhere. He had walked many times into the city of Jerusalem. But now suddenly, he wants to ride. Something's different. Something's changed. But he commanded and Jesus went and the disciples went and they, they found the donkey and the colt just as was described and they brought it to him. And uh, the decision to ride into the city on a colt rather than walk was kind of different. But it was made all the more difficult because riding a colt into the city was a public declaration that he was king. After all the time that, that Jesus had spent trying to, to hush it down, 
suddenly it was proclaimed. Just in passing, have you ever, I, I mean, I'm not much of a rancher kind of person. Maybe some of you that have kind of ranch backgrounds, you know this, but I just have the feeling that I wouldn't want to be the first person to ride on an animal that had never been ridden on before. I don't know. I don't know much about that, but I just think that's not a good place to be. But, but that's what Jesus did. And it really was quite a contrast because, you see, normally you think about who comes in and what do they ride on and how do they get there. And in times of war, conquerors would, would ride chariots or, or they would ride upon prancing stallions. But in times of peace, the king would ride a colt to symbolize that peace prevailed. So when Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a colt, it's to declare that He is the King of Peace. That He is the King who has come and brought peace. Pretty different. When Pontius Pilate came into the city, the Roman governor of the area, he went into Jerusalem, but he came with a, a full complement of elite battle-hardened Roman soldiers ready and willing to do battle to suppress any kind of rebellion. When Herod Antipas came, he's Tetrarch or the king of ruler over Galilee. He's the one who had imprisoned and beheaded John the Baptist. When he arrived in the city, he came with, with great pomp and circumstance. He came to occupy the palace of his late father, Herod the Great. And then here comes Jesus. Jesus fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah, saying, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt foal of a donkey. The crowds that were lining the road that day Jesus riding a colt into the city was that proclamation that he was the promised king. But then Jesus just stops. It's not a time for joy. Rather, he begins to weep. You know, the scriptures tell us that, that Jesus reacted emotionally in many different circumstances. When he saw the poor, when he saw the hungry, when he saw people sinning, when he saw the sick and the ill. The scriptures tell us repeatedly that Jesus had compassion on them. But it only tells us that twice. Jesus wept. First time was what we talked about last week when we talked about the resurrection of Lazarus. Jesus arrives on the scene and Mary and Martha are so broken, so, so just struggling with the death of their brother that they're crying and weeping and pleading with him. And it tells us that Jesus had compassion on them and began to weep with them. What Jesus does, he identifies with people's sorrow and despair. 
The second time it tells us in Luke chapter 19, verses 41 to 44, it says that as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come when your enemies will build an embarkment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on top of another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. See, the people, even the apostles, had eyes, but they didn't see. They had ears, but they didn't hear. They didn't get it. They, they missed the whole point of the message that, that God had given to them. They waved their palm branches, but they didn't understand. They waved their branches and showing that they expected Jesus to be another warlord, another general of another army who might just possibly lead them in overthrow of the Romans. They were saying by the waving of their branches, Jesus, we're ready to go with you. We're ready to die with you. But they were ready to die in an earthly battle for an earthly kingdom. Jesus had told them, that's not what I came for. I came to show you another way. Love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you, he said. People listening to him must have thought he was crazy. This is all well and good. Those are nice words, but you surely can't mean the Romans. You don't expect us to do that. That would be just crazy. They didn't understand Jesus because they completely misunderstood his mission. Jesus swept over them because he saw what would happen. These were God's people, chosen people. God had loved them walked with them, brought them out of captivity across the wilderness into the promised land. And at this very moment, they were missing the appointed hour when the Messiah had come. And Jesus wept. They didn't recognize Him. They didn't see the Messiah in their very midst. How different their lives might have been. They'd only recognize this King of Peace riding in their midst on a donkey, on a colt. Today, today as we remember and celebrate that day of opportunity, we have the luxury of looking back. We can look back and see with Eyes, historical eyes and, and spiritual eyes and, 
and be able to make a fresh decision about how we respond to the Messiah, how we respond to Him who came not to rule over an earthly kingdom, but to suffer and die for a spiritual kingdom. And we're asked a question and we must respond. How will we respond? I think Jesus invites us into his loving care. I like the passage in Matthew 23 and Luke 13. They both tell the story. When Jesus is looking down over the city and he, and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I long to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were unwilling. And on this Palm Sunday, we have to answer the question, are we willing to be gathered under His loving, protective care? Are we willing to say, yes, Jesus, I come. Shelter me. Jesus, I think, also invites us to experience true peace. He is this King of Peace who comes offering peace to us. And in it we find forgiveness and life in a kingdom not based on our circumstances, but a kingdom that goes now and forever. I think He also invites us to live a life focused on God. It is His life and example that calls us to say with Him, Father, not my will, but Your will be done. No matter what it costs. It was that willingness it was that willingness that led Christ from heaven to earth and to a cross. We remember this day and this week that that is a path, a journey that leads to Calvary. It is, the, as is commonly portrayed in the song, Savia, the the way of suffering, the path of pain. And we in this crowd, as we see Jesus' path, are invited, are invited to see with eyes that truly see and to hear with ears that truly hear and respond to His invitation of protection and love Peace, true peace. And to a way of following God that gives our all to Him. This week, as we move into Holy Week, I pray that those kinds of thoughts will linger with you as you reflect on His Lord, it's Palm Sunday. 
you're entering into a city and Lord, we want to do more than just wave palm branches. We don't want it said of us, if only they had known in this very day, in this very hour, what would have made for peace. But they missed it. I don't want to be that guy. And so, Lord, I embrace your loving care. And Lord, I hover under your wings, protected, safe. And I embrace my King of Peace who offers peace, the forgiveness of sin, and newness of life. And by your grace and mercy and strength, Lord, help me to say, not my will, but your will be done in all that I am. Lord, I just don't want to talk to you. I want to live it. Lord, that's our cry as a people. Would you help us? Move in among us, Lord. And in this Holy Week, remind us of things beyond ourselves for which we receive the blessing. Oh God, we love you. We worship you. We praise you and thank you. For you are our King of Peace. And we welcome you in this place.